Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Drunk Friend. Uh, this is not Trav, this is Alex talking, and I feel very uncomfortable doing this intro here because it's not my usual thing. Instead, I have a guest host. He has been on the show before. He is one half of the podcast Indie Quest, and uh, who, where, where else do you appear? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking uh, right now. That that's about it also the po- that's about it okay. the polymedia discord the best place on the polymedia internet. discord <laughs> legend captain drachma uh can we call you seth or should i bleep that out no you can absolutely call me whatever you want just don't call me late for dinner <laughs> call <laughs> calling somebody captain like yeah the captain yeah it's like uh the uh what, what was that seinfeld thing the the maestro or the the something it's like it's cool to call someone the captain or i had i had a friend in uh that i worked with uh years and years ago his name was his front i don't even remember what his first name was we all called him doc and it's like <laughs> that's such a like that's a cool nickname like i wish i i still knew someone named doc it's just a cool name but yeah the captain is here with us so we're we're gonna be fine I think I hope I'm, I'm not very good at this uh, hosting thing, but we'll see how it goes. And uh, yeah, normally as this uh, podcast has been going the past uh, 20 episodes or so, we would talk about the year, but uh, we're starting to get too close. So uh, we'll just briefly mention some things from 2009. Uh, and honestly, 2009 is really the first year I can remember looking at and being just like what the nothing even happened this year like what what even happened i don't like i don't i I just remember like kind of putting my head down and really working because i was in so much credit card debt at the time (laughs) and uh just kind of working and not watching a lot of movies and not really doing anything um the only two things i could come up with for 2009 that i thought were interesting were the swine flu and michael jackson died yeah i mean those are two intense events and i and honestly the for the, the first one right the swine flu um i i remember hearing about it it was in the news i don't think it ever impacted anyone i knew personally but the biggest callback for me about the swine flu was when the coronavirus started everybody was like oh you know this is kind of like another swine flu You're but right. then it it blew up into something obviously completely different and yeah. in most people's eyes much much worse right um but yeah, I mean that was that was crazy. That was kind of like a a precursor to what we would get almost a little over ten yeah. years later. <laughs> um, it was a pandemic. I I didn't realize it was declared a pandemic because it did. I didn't know anybody that even came close to it really. And I worked in downtown Minneapolis, so at the time, so it didn't really uh, affect us in any way. I mean, I remember murmurs about it, like. Just people talking like, oh, yeah, this person, uh, you know, this, I think somebody, didn't Tom Hanks get it or something? (laughs) Or I I forget, somebody famous got it. But um, yeah, uh, it was, it was seen as serious, but it was, it was still seen as so far away. Um, And, but yeah, looking back, it's pretty crazy how it's like, oh, it's this far away virus that we'll never, uh, we'll, we'll never have to worry about something like that. Right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't, I don't really remember how contagious the swine flu was, but I have to imagine it wasn't anything like COVID. Right. So yeah, probably it just never uh, made its way around. Just we were only a couple years out 
and just thinking back to that, like how how our world is so different from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, it's got a it's got an interesting name, swine yeah, flu. Yeah, swine. COVID nineteen is way scarier. Yeah. It's like, swine flu sounds like something your cousin your cousin Jimmy down in you know down in like Florida or something ends up getting and. Oh, that that cousin Jimmy got the real bad swine <laughs> flu, but he's he's over it now, and it's like COVID nineteen sounds like something like Skynet would create right. in, a, in a lab or something. It's, it's it sounds way scarier, a way dis- colder. A disease out of the Terminator movies or something, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. AI creates a, yeah. a virus. Can you? Can, can, oh my god! I just gave myself nightmares. Um, yeah, Michael Jackson dying. Uh, I I can remember. Um, I was taking classes at that time, like off and on, and I had a writing class, a technical writing class I was taking, um, and we had just learned like right before that he had he had passed, and that's all we did for the first twenty minutes of class was just talk about Michael Jackson. It was actually really cool, like just talking about his music, like none of the personal stuff or the scandals or anything like that. Just like how old were you when you found out about Michael Jackson, and like how old. Uh, how do you got into it? What songs you liked and stuff like that? It was honestly like really, really cool to talk with those people about that because we had people from it was a just a regular tech school, uh, Metro State in St. Paul, Minnesota, and so it was just people from everywhere, uh, or for, of all ages, I should say. Right. And uh, they were all coming from different places. I remember one older guy was like, I like the Jacksons better. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Way to show your age, buddy. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal, though. Michael Jackson dying. That was that was pretty major. Yeah. Um, I was a plunky little farm kid, right? So I grew up mm-hmm. listening to country music mostly and then also listened to rock and roll. My dad was a blues guy and enjoyed rock oh. and roll 70s rock and roll which we might we might touch on a little bit later this episode uh some mm. one specific 70s rocker but uh oh that's right yes <laughs> you are correct <laughs> but so michael jackson passing was was absolutely crazy right like it it still shook everyone's world it just maybe didn't yeah. hit as close for me because i i didn't really grow up around his music but i do remember at the beginning of the Free Willy VHS tape was a Michael Jackson-like music video for one of the songs in Free Willy. And I always remember seeing that before watching that movie. I love that movie growing up. So <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I remember Michael Jackson was just on another level. Like he was, I guess, our, the closest thing to Elvis that will be in my lifetime uh, it was just our generation's Elvis, pretty much. Yeah. Um, except except Michael Jackson, for my money, was a thousand times more talented. But uh, oh right, yeah. The the uh, the thing is though is that um, he he was seen as like the coolest guy ever for like a brief period in the early '90s. He made a music video for the song Jam with Michael Jordan, and Criss Cross showed up in that video. It was <laughs> I'm telling you, like I was like 11 when that video came out, and I was like, that is. That's everything I love in one music video, right? There. Like the, everything in the, about that is cool. I'm doing like the Leo point, right? Like, that's all. That everything right there is is the coolest thing ever, and there needs to be more of that everywhere. But yeah, I, it's you watch it now, and it's it's seriously like kind of a confusing video because <laughs> it's just Michael Jackson in a gymnasium while Jordan's just, I guess, practicing by himself, and he's just like doing these crazy dunks. 
in slow motion and it's just crisscrosses there and they're dancing and then heavy d shows up he kicks ass so it, it's it's basically the it rocked my world the first time i saw that video but yeah yeah and i will say that at least to my knowledge michael jackson and everything he did with music videos that was kind of it seemed like that was groundbreaking at that time so much of his music videos were almost like five minute films Whereas before right. that, yeah. all that you ever saw was ACDC just jamming out <laughs> for five minutes. Like they ZZ were, Top. Yeah, they were just playing, right? I mean, there were some, you say ZZ Top, there were some pretty funny ZZ Top music videos. Oh, for, yeah, they were legs. Are you kidding yes, me? Videos yes, videos all timer. But yeah, I mean, like things like Thriller, right? It was just, it was almost a movie. A, a movie. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and um, I'll never forget the hype for the video for Scream which was the song he did with his sister Janet. And it was advertised as the first million dollar music video. And you watch it now and it's like, that's it. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. They paid all that money for that. Like, ugh. but um, the song is decent, I guess. But the video, it's like, what did they spend all the money on? All the, the computer graphics that aged like milk yeah. <laughs> or, or what? Like it's, it's confusing. You're right though. That's, that's a good point. He, for music videos, there was, there was Michael Jackson, and then there was everybody else, right. basically. Exactly. He was in his own category. For sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's I, I touched on it earlier, and I also want to... I like mentioning like what was going on in my life in 2009, because it's interesting to talk about and just like share stuff. But yeah, at this time, I was, I was taking the light rail to downtown Minneapolis, the park and ride at Fort Snelling, the light rail, and then uh, working downtown at the, in the U.S. Bank building. And that was... I think that's called Capella Tower now. That was an interesting time for me. That was about five years of my life um, before I got before I got laid off. So, the light rail. Ex- yeah. Explain that to me because I am from the middle of nowhere. I don't know if yeah. I've ever even been on a subway or really hardly any mm-hmm. public transportation other than a school bus. So, what is what is the light rail? The light rail is where you drive to uh, a park and ride kind of a thing, or or you can just wander up, I guess, from anywhere. But um, I drove to the park and ride, um, and I walked a hellish walk in the winter for me. About <laughs> what seemed like a half a mile was probably only about 500 feet, I guess, but um, not even 500 feet. Like, I don't know. It was, uh, and and then you stand outside and you wait for the train to come from the Mall of America to pick us up. The train takes us, stops about, I want to say 12 times before it finally gets (laughs) to Minneapolis. And then it always comes uh, and uh, it goes all the way to uh, Target Target Field where the twins play. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it used to go by the Metrodome and that was how I got to twins games back in the day too. But um, yeah, it's basically, I remember getting my iPod, which iPod was it? I can't remember. I want to say iPod like Nano or Shuffle or something like, I don't remember what was back then. No, it was a regular iPod. It wasn't one of the fancier models. It was just a big brick, Um, big, heavy, heavy ass thing. Um, And I would play, um, I had a, a crappy pirated (laughs) <laughs> version of bust a move <laughs> on it that i would play and i would use the scroll wheel to aim and stuff so that's all oh, I, I that's just, awesome i would listen to to music it was usually i think at that time in 2009 what was i would have been listening to i don't even remember but um it was probably something like like apex twin or or like some 
electronic, like Daft Punk kind of a thing. So I'd be listening to that and just ignoring everyone and uh, <laughs> hoping nobody would try and talk to me <laughs> and uh, look down and play, uh, nervously play uh, Bust a Move, except it's a really, really crappy version of it on an iPod. But yeah, that yeah. was the tr- light rail experience. It was great. It was, it was actually really convenient. Uh, you walk up and you, you, t- you have to buy a ticket, of course. It's pretty nice. It's it's fun. You, you don't know what you're missing out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> There's like a specific schedule then, I'm guessing, right? Every day you show yep. up at this time and it takes... Yep. I can remember I needed to hit the 6.53 or I would be about 10 minutes, exactly 10 minutes late. If I missed that train, I would be 10 minutes late. And it was usually on time. <laughs> that, that form of transportation just kind of blows my mind or I, I guess for transporting myself to work or places I need to go. I don't it, growing up in the middle of nowhere kind of makes you like this, I guess, but I don't <laughs> trust other people. So I, I feel like if I oh, had to yeah. get to work, it would be hard to trust that kind of transportation. I'll yeah. never forget one morning on the light rail. Oh my God, this scared the hell out of me. Cause I, the night before I wasn't feeling well and I, I really didn't sleep at all. So I was in a bad state of mind. Um, just on no sleep and way too much coffee. So I'm sitting there listening to my music. Um, and this dude who is high out of his mind on something <laughs> had to have been crack. I swear to God, this dude was nuts. He took the he- my earbuds out of my ear <laughs> so he could try and listen. And he was like looking at it like a caveman and like tried to like listen to what I- he's like, what are you listening to? What are you listening? And I'm like, holy what is this really happening right now <laughs> and i'm scared to death of this dude and I, I just like yank it back and he goes away i'm just like what the f-? i'm sitting there the whole time like completely rattled like what was that and i'm looking around and everybody's looking at me kind of like with the same look on their face like did, did that guy really just try and listen to your music like that was so weird <laughs> they're all like man yeah. thank god i don't have earbuds in right now <laughs> <laughs> that lakes i'm telling you that happened right after the lake street stop so anytime we went past the lake street stop i got really <laughs> nervous but uh yeah that was that was honest genuinely scary like oh my it was like a shock when that guy did that Just, no matter what if a random person or a stranger of any kind touches you like even if it's for like <laughs> hey hey you dropped this i'm always like whoa what, especially, what are you touching me for <laughs> especially someone who touches your ear yeah. <laughs> like it's there's something extra creepy about that touching your ear who touch, who touches someone's ear like a stranger it's <laughs> yeah. so bizarre and gross but yeah um <laughs> great now we're gonna get emails from people like <laughs> sending me ear stories or something <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> um so my 2009, I was, uh, I was, I was definitely in a different stage of life, uh, than you at that time. I was a junior in high school. Nice. Your almost time did not give a crap about high school. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. my junior year was 08, 09, technically 09 was the start of my senior year as well. But I always think of it in the year you graduate or whatever. Right. Yeah. So 09 was my junior year. Um, for the most part, a pretty good year. I think I started taking some, what did we call them? Like uh, preparatory classes. I would go to, I ended up graduating from Bowling Green State University, um, but took a couple classes there in high school. Right. So that was kind of my first branching off to take a philosophy 100 class at BGSU, things like that. You were, you were a, 
a teenager taking philosophy classes? Yeah, I was not. I was not very well prepared for some of the things that I heard or some of the people that I was grouped up with. Like we were just in very different stages of life from me being yeah, 17. Yeah, that's pretty, that's a heavy class to take. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, that's pretty cool. But yeah, that, that part was cool, but it was not a great year for me in sports, unfortunately. So Uh-oh. I started... We called it Will Linebacker, but it was kind of like an outside, weak side linebacker. Yep. Um, I started on defense at weak linebacker, um, played some fullback, but ended up breaking my collarbone um, oh. my junior year. So that was a huge bummer. That was third game. So then I was done for the season and moved on. I mean, obviously, I was still watching and everything and with the team, but was was pretty much focused on wrestling at that point and then moved into wrestling that winter, all healed up, had a good season in the state of Ohio for the state tournament. You start at the sectional tournament and then move on to the district tournament and then the state tournament. Um, and I had never uh, made it to state prior to my junior year. So I was hopeful that to get there, I think there's like different rankings that come out. I think I was in the top 16. So I was supposed Whoa. to make it to state my junior year, but Ended up heading to districts, won the sectional, headed to districts as a first seed, wrestled a fourth seed, and blew my knee out in the first match. That sucks. Like torn ligaments? Yeah. So I think it healed up a bit, but it was MCL. And then I Mm. waited for a while and went and got surgery, and they repaired a little bit of it and cleared out scar tissue. It wasn't Ugh. terrible, but not. I couldn't yeah. like really walk on it, right? So yeah, um, big time bummer. But that sucks. Yeah, that's damn. I didn't know you you made it to state. That's that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I didn't that year. I got I got beat, or I well I got beat. Oh, I defaulted right, out, but right? You, I mean you were you were on your way though. Like yeah. you were. It was expected that I. You know what I mean? Like if you're top sixteen, that's. I'm guessing that's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Um, my senior year, I made it to state and placed fourth. So that was that was pretty neat. Uh, that's cool. Totally different. Neat. Really cool experience. I actually wrestled. I think it's still. They still wrestle in the Schottenstein Center, which is where the Buckeyes play basketball. Um, oh, just, wow. And know, they would have been really good around that time, too. Yeah. Yeah, back then. Yep, that was like Thad Mata. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. You know, you're down there as a kid i mean you're really you're a kid you're a high school kid and there's forty thousand people in the stands watching you it's a it's a really cool experience but uh, that's amazing wow yeah forty thousand. yeah it might not uh, maybe not 40 maybe 20 i can't remember I, i'm probably exaggerating <laughs> you're like vince mcmahon with the the silver dome record oh yeah there's ninety three thousand. yeah but the stadium only holds 76 yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was probably less than forty. Now that I think about it, but but there were a lot of people, is what I'm saying, Alex. There were a lot. No, of people. that's there's still a ton of freaking people. It's yeah. insane. Like every time you go to a, you know, like a, a hockey game, like there's eighteen at least eighteen thousand people in you know every pretty much every arena in yes. the country at this yes. point. So that's a freaking ton of people. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, unless uh, you're, and, unless you're the Coyotes, and then you play in whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> that disaster. Yep. Um, Arizona State. What a joke. And not only that, but doubling down on your unfor- uh, unfortunate uh, uh, bad break there was that I have to mention this 2009 Stanley Cup. 
Pittsburgh beats Detroit game seven. I remember this because um, I actually taped this game, like literally on a on a VHS tape, so I could watch it later. Yep. Yeah, I mean this this was this was the start of the trailing off period into Oof. losing all of the, you know, staple players that Detroit yep. had, had for years, right? Like, what Lidstrom retired in. 2015 i want to say but he was one of the last ones of like those really great players to go i mean they were still making playoffs all the way through lidstrom playing yeah um, but then it, but they weren't a contender anymore right so yeah that was zetterberg i think was still playing at that time um of course pavel datsuk pavel datsuk's amazing that team was obviously still really good they made it to the stanley cup finals but um yeah so yeah, if, if you're ever bored, look up Pavel Datsuk uh, highlights on YouTube. That dude was unbelievable. Yeah, the dude had the craziest hands. Incredible. Like I mean, crazy skill. Sometimes even watching a highlight of Pavel Datsuk, it's like how I don't. I mean, I guess there are, of course, players today like that one Oilers guy. But uh, yeah, McDavid's up there. Um I mean, Kachuk is up there too. Like, just with in terms of like how quick he is, and he can find yeah. his shot. Like, like almost effort. He makes it look so easy. Let me ask you this: um, Do you remember the guy on the Penguins who scored twice in that game? I I don't, but I will say who I absolutely hate for the Penguins, and if it's him, it would make who me is mad. Who do you- I freaking hate Evgeny Melkin so much oh no (laughs) no no it's it's not him he assisted on the first goal uh the guy was maxime talbot i totally forgot about this dude really solid nhler for like 15 years yeah he bounced around for a bit but maxime talbot was was the guy that scored twice in game seven to give stanley cup the stanley cup to pittsburgh kind of it's like wow, that was another freaking lifetime ago. It feels like. See a lot of a lot of Red Wings fans probably hate Colorado, right? Um, oh yeah, for sure. A big rivalry there, but I hate the Penguins. I probably <laughs> there might not be a well Green Bay. I really hate Green Bay. I'm trying to think of a oh, professional oh, sports yeah. team that I hate more than the Penguins, but they are way up there. I hate the Yankees. I just hate the Yankees because they're the Yankees, but. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think any team is capable of being hated by me more than, than Green Bay. Yeah. Ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, and not, nobody even uh, approaches them. Like, they are numbers one through 10. Like, I hate <laughs> the Packers. Like, I don't even, like, you're a Lions fan. Yeah. I don't even, I don't care. I honestly kind of want the Lions to be good because I want them to beat the Packers. Like, yeah. that's how much I hate the Packers. Like, I don't really feel that strongly about the Bears either, but. I would much rather have them be good than Green Bay, like 10 times out of 10. Sports hate is fun, isn't it? It is. There's a point where it's like, I, as a Lions fan especially, I almost hate hating the Packers because it makes me feel like kind of a loser, right? Like I'm like, I hate your stupid team because you're always too good and my team sucks. Like that's, yeah, that's how I feel. And honestly, that's what I always feel comes from michigan fans like i'm a big buckeye fan right oh yeah yes and yes, i very do not, much so i do not want to be like a michigan fan because it's all i ever hear <laughs> like oh for a michigan fan like i i'm a big 10 fan at the end of the day i want to see all the big 10 win if michigan goes to a bowl game 
I root for Michigan. I'm not like sitting there with my maize and blue jersey on, like obviously. Good Lord. But I want to see the Big Ten. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see the Big Ten do well. That is not the case for Michigan fans, or at least the majority of them. They want to watch, they want the Buckeyes to lose every game they play. And it's just because, you know, the dominance over the last 20 years. And now they have something to talk about over the last two, I guess. But. I, I just yeah. I don't want to be like a Michigan fan. I, just, I don't want to just want to hate because the other team is good, which is how I kind of feel right. about Green Bay or uh, right. the Tom Brady New England teams. You know what I mean? So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I think what makes it a little different for me is living. Minnesota is a weird place to grow up in uh, for sports because we we do have all four um, sports teams, but and and everybody's. Pretty much everybody's like a Twins fan, a Wild fan, or a Timberwolves fan. But with football, there's a ton of Packers fans in the Twin Cities. A ton. And they have a certain kind of weird entitlement. Like, it kind of like, it's it, I, if I could compare it to anybody, it's like the Yankees. Yeah. Where it's like, of course we win. It's, we're the Yankees. Like, it's the Yankee <laughs> way. It's the Packer way. Of course, we're, we're football royalty. Of course we won. Like just that kind of like uppityness about snobbery. it, and it's <laughs> yes, snobbery, and I can't stand that. I really can't stand that, especially when um, I'll never forget this. I'll, and we'll we'll move on to emails after this because <laughs> I like talking sports too much. But I'll never forget this. This person who I who, who was a coworker who I, who I got along with really well, uh, and she was a Packers fan. I of course am a Vikings fan, and she talked so much trash over the years. And finally, it comes the day when Brett Favre officially signs with the Vikings. She calls in sick. (laughs) And that was why she admitted she didn't want to be. She said she didn't want to be made fun of. And it's like, we're not going to make fun of you. We're going to. We just want to talk about it and see what you think. Like we're just gonna talk. Like we just want to talk. Really, are that thin skinned? (laughs) Like seriously? Like you're that scared? Like you can dish it out that much, but you really can't take it. Like you have that much of intolerance. Like it's just football, but yeah, it's uh, that's the kind of like crazy like devotion you're dealing with 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 Packers fans. I respect how, how much they care, because uh, in my in- experience, they really care. At the same time, it's like kind of get a life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, had to, I had to sneak that in there. It's it's funny to me. I mean, obviously the Packers are a very very old team, but just how well I guess traveled or whatever you want to call it, where there's there's a Packers fan in every city, in every state. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just so weird because Green Bay is is in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like it's like such a <laughs> it's it's just really strange. It kind of reminds me of, and it's it's for the same reason, right? Very old and historic. But Notre Dame is the same way. Like South Bend, Indiana. Oh. Like why is everybody a Notre Dame fan? It's so that's a perfect comparison. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But yeah, it's uh um real quick uh what was I gonna say um I I lost it. <laughs> train of thought broken because i'm reading this email here that we got from pella f uh the email is called, titled 1999 and it says guys i love the show i've been listening since episode 21 you know it's kind of crazy we've been doing this for this long it doesn't it really doesn't feel like it like it truly doesn't 20 2020 uh, it's been over three years now it's crazy oh don't say that oh, <laughs> God, it's crazy how 
time just speeds up as you get older. Seriously. And uh, yeah, Pella says, and have been enjoying the years in review episodes. However, I noticed an enormous absence in the 1999 episode. And they say, I know that this isn't a world event or politics podcast, but given the mentions of September 11th and Pretzelgate, <laughs> it felt very weird that you didn't give mention to one of the largest ecological disasters of the 1990s. I speak, of course, about the Day of Lavos. <laughs> <laughs> the event where the lar- a large a- ancient alien porcupine creature burst through the Earth's, Earth's crust, <laughs> raining down fire from the sky, resulting in our cli- current climate crisis to this day. <laughs> I am often surprised that I don't hear more elder millennials talk about this moment that shaped the world, and I sometimes feel like someone else, like like everyone else, is living in an alternate timeline where the worst thing to happen in 1999 was Mystery Alaska, or maybe it's just all the results are still still stuck on Lycos. Wow, that's an old ass internet reference right yeah. there. Uh, yeah, my, I had an Angel Fire page back in the day. Uh, <laughs> Email goes on. Anyway, with Travis doing a month of 1999 content, maybe sometime during the month we could get a month of silence to honor the lives lost on that faithful fateful day in 1999 AD. Yes, indeed. And that's a great email. Thank you, Pella F. Um, that is a huge oversight by us. <laughs> to be honestly, to be honest, I'm still reeling from those events. Um, I'm still trying to rectify them. Um, I've got a robot in the backyard planting all sorts of stuff, um, and he's been doing it, you know, ever since he he kind of came with the house when we, when we moved in, <laughs> and he he appear, he does he just ignores us. He just goes out and farms all day. So I don't I don't know what's up with that, but yeah, he's he's uh, I don't what other chrono references can I make? Uh, <laughs> I, um, I thought that this email was very well written because yes. for, through that first paragraph up until the ecological disasters part, I was like, oh my God, what? I don't, it, it's not coming to my mind what they're talking about. And then I'm like, oh, like I didn't skip ahead at all. I didn't spoil the rest of it for myself. I just stuck to yep. it and I was like, oh, that that's good. I like that. <laughs> yep. Yes, that's well done. Uh, good email there. Uh, we've got another one from Andrew G. I'll, it's real quick, real quick question. He asks about The Simpsons. He says, for The Simpsons, where's the best place to start and what's the cutoff point? I hear it gets bad at some point. Thanks for the email, Andrew. Are you a big Simpsons fan? I enjoy watching The Simpsons when it's on. We had several seasons okay. on DVD and I watched them often. Personally, I probably only ever watched up to like season eight or nine and that was always my wheelhouse i'm not yep. nearly as big of a simpsons fan as you are though so i suppose you would be the best to uh oh give this i've seen seasons two through ten probably like five or six times yeah together um that's some of the best tv ever written it's, it is it's, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a writing nerd so i love good writing and The Simpsons has some of the best, most clever, funniest writing ever. And two through two through nine, you could argue that ten isn't that good either. Um, I think what's what's the season that starts with New York City? That's when it starts to like kind of be like, uh oh, like this isn't that as funny as it used to be. Like, I think that's season nine actually. Yeah, it is. And then season ten uh, is is kind of it. That's when 
kind of when it's 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 every other episode. It's not every episode is a banger. It's every other one. And then after that, I just kind of it felt like I I outgrew the show at the time. I remember it was so uh, part of my my Sunday routine. Uh, when I remember when uh, Fox got football in '94, and um, they got Summer All in Madden, and they moved The Simpsons to after the late Sunday game, and they had NFC, so it was like Pat Summerall doing the game. And he'd go something like, you know, it'd be the Vikings, you know, losing to the Cowboys or something. He'd say, <laughs> uh, Leroy Horde for no gain and stay tuned tonight for the Simpsons <laughs> at 6 p.m. Eastern. You know, he sounds like ancient <laughs> even yeah. even back then. He's yep. Flag on the play. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that the Simpsons is like ingrained into me from that moment on. Let's let's just talk sports the rest of the time. Yeah, I yeah I for sure. I, I don't like video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, so I've caught some more recent Simpsons after football games, I feel like is when I'm usually watching a newer Simpsons. Yep. I remember seeing the most recent Treehouse of Horror because it had a Death Note reference. Oh no shit. Yeah. Oh my god. It was really cool. Like it was all anime. Like it was Wow. It was I had really no idea cool. they were doing stuff like that. Uh yeah, I gotta check that out. Um I will say uh I you, you bring up the Halloween episodes, Treehouse of Horror. Um yeah. I still watch those every once in a while because mm-hmm. they're so good like they're so uh it's almost like the simpsons becomes futurama temporarily yeah. and all this crazy stuff is capable of happening which i always really liked by the way since we're talking simpsons uh, i was actually talking about this with pearl my girlfriend uh where we found out about like just tons of what do you call it pop culture that we otherwise didn't know about like were were you like that with the Simpsons or with anything else? Like for example, I'll give you an example where like I had no idea what The Shining was yeah. until I saw it on The Simpsons and it looked weird and scary. And I I understood like the here's Johnny thing from like pictures and shirts and you know whatever. I had no idea what the movie was or what it was about, and The Simpsons made fun of it and it was somehow still funny even though I didn't <laughs> know the movie. Like when they leave Grandpa behind, but um yeah it's uh. That that made me want to watch the movie. Were you like that with The Simpsons or with anything? Yeah, so not not The Simpsons. So when those earlier Simpsons were coming out, I was very young. But yeah, um, I would not understand so many references in two <laughs> other shows, and that is Family Guy. Family Guy makes references oh, for to sure. all kinds of stuff that I had no idea. And now going back and watching. Some of the earlier episodes, I'm like, oh, I totally did not get that when I was 12, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then South Park. South Park makes a lot of references. And sometimes we'll build an entire episode around a specific reference, right? Yep. And there, there's even there's even like the iconic reference episode where um, Butters is Butters is being told the entire time Simpsons did it, Simpsons did <laughs> oh, it, right? right? Like, yep. So, um, but those were the two big ones for me where that. There were references to things that I didn't understand and and either was able to access the internet at the time where it was like late enough where I could easily access the internet to find out what they were talking about or came back to those episodes later and was like, ah, aha, that, that makes sense now, you know. So. Yeah. See, I always dig stuff like that because some people dismiss referential humor as 
uh, like cheap humor yeah. kind of like easy laughs i see it as like easter eggs right like because i'm a huge fan of mystery science theater and they do that that's like the whole show is like yeah. just them spouting off all sorts of references coming from all walks of life from all sorts of places They're, they'll reference something from like 1920 from like the silent film era or something and it makes me want to go find out what it is yeah so it's like that's why I do that. It's like I, I get told on YouTube sometimes, like, what's with these obscure references? Who are these people? <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's it doesn't matter. Who cares? You're right. I, I never even you're, you're talking about that. And I never even thought about that until now. And I, I'll be completely honest. A lot of times I'm completely lost on the things you're talking about. As well. <laughs> but but it does make me pause the video and go and look up. Whoever and then it's like ah that's that that is funny I, I get it <laughs> right like and I, I don't know I I like that and honestly those shows all those shows that we mentioned they they make yeah. their hay on that like that's yeah and I get it like that's that's what they're trying to do is just kind of spread the, that particular culture like hey do you know plus there's the aspect of like sometimes you'll get a reference so a really good example is the mystery science theater episode for Mitchell. Uh, which is the infamous Joe Don Baker episode uh, replays kind of just like a drunk slob as a cop. It's like a bad 70s t- uh, detective thing. Yeah. But this guy is breaking into into this rich guy's house at the beginning and he's the the light catches his face a certain way and Joel, the the host confused confused is confused and he's like, is that Al Noga? And he said the name Al Noga. He was a defensive end for like three years on the Minnesota Vikings back in the eighties. I knew who he was, but I'm like, it's it like hit me like like a like lightning. Like how the hell would he know who Al Noga is? And that is what like made me think like, oh, this show is, this show feels like it's being created for just for me, like for nobody else, but just for right. me. So exactly. that like absolutely grabbed me. So I think like it. That feeling is can be pretty rare. So if you can like throw something out there, maybe something catches, and that's a cool feeling. Where it's like, oh, I got that one. Yeah. So the yeah. Easter, like it's like you said, the Easter egg thing gives you a weird dopamine rush <laughs> when does, you yeah. when you know something that they you know that they was like kind of snuck in there and like ah aha I get it like it makes you feel good and it's it's just El so Noga. weird. Al Noga was number ninety nine, and he had a he he wore a neck roll, and he had big puffy hair coming out the back of his helmet. <laughs> I think he was from Hawaii. He was good, but yeah, it was uh, that was that was good times. You want to take the this next email here? Well, the next email is from Hunter, and I think you probably need to read the. Oh, I need title. to say the subject line. Is, yes, yeah. Hunter's got some things to say to us, and he starts off with, "Well, actually," and then. Hunter goes on to say, this is Hunter again from Sour Lake, not so sweet Texas. Let Alex know I have played both Lufia games. In fact, I own both of them before they became incredibly expensive to own. The second one is a great game, but I will admit I have yet to play the Breath of Fire games. Right now, I'm slowly playing through Final Fantasy IV GBA version on my Super Nintendo using a Super Retro Advance adapter I got off of eBay. Also, just got a Super Game Boy 2 for my wife for Christmas. This was obviously written a, a minute ago if it was close to... <laughs> you think? It's right in stride with the rest of our emails. <laughs> that I have hooked up right now with my Super Famicom currently with Kirby's Dreamland 2 in the slot. 
Keep up the good work, gentlemen. I, I'll take that, by the way. I know I'm just here. For <laughs> I, I, will, I will keep up that good work. <laughs> and uh, he also goes on to say, you make me proud. And I, I know those emails have to make you feel pretty good, Alex. Yeah, those are. it's always great to hear that kind of stuff. It's awesome. Uh, while you were reading that, I was like, are, is Lufia expensive now? I was really worried, and it's like, I, and honestly, I, I looked up the price, and I and my first thought was, oh, it's only one hundred and forty five dollars. Isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like that's about that's about what it's been the past two years. So it's like, oh, it hasn't gone up. Okay, thank God. It's it's only at one hundred and fifty around there. When I got, I have mine complete in the box, and that was like not even forty bucks. Back in yeah. like 2006, I think, or 2007, Ooh. somewhere around there. So, is it 145 loose? I want, what is it complete? 145 loose, yeah. It's got to be over 300 so, complete then, right? Complete is complete. I'm looking at sold listings and I'm seeing 449, oh, 349, 299, 399. Come on with these prices, man. I don't. Speaking to the choir on that one, I know. But um, anyway. I mean, yeah. to Lufia's credit, I guess, I don't, yeah. other than playing it any way you can, right? Is there another way? I don't think there's any service no. that offers Lufia. Like, that's one of those truly stuck on the Super Nintendo. Natsume were the ones that, or no, that's right, Taito published the first one. So, yeah, they are really kind of stuck. <laughs> I think Natsume might have rights to the second game. It'd be cool if they could repackage that because that's a game. That's a sequel there. You don't need to know anything about the first game to play through it. It's technically a the prequel, right? It like leads a prequel. Into, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I I've played a bit of the first one. I probably played two hours, three hours, or something. And speaking of Breath of Fire, I've played maybe ten hours of the first game and like ten hours of the third game. And I have I've said it before on my other podcast but i have like jrpg adhd or something like i can't i have such a hard time i recently beat grandia which made me feel really good but i just have a really hard time making it past like the 15 hour point in those games anymore maybe it's just because i'm older or or something i don't know right on so should we read this uh next email here yeah yeah for sure so this one's from our buddy mook and it's titled just GT2. So what's right up, out of Mook? the gate. What's a Mook? Oh, what's up, Mook, you said. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what's up, Mook? You're going to have to edit that. <laughs> Not really even that in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what's a Mook? Like, I, I don't know. Albuquerque fella. Anyway, um, he says, hey, drunk friends, since Trav and the Polymedia crew just flashed back to 1999, <laughs> And you are hitting the mid two thousands on the podcast again. This was this was a little bit ago written, but uh, <laughs> I thought this would be good to share. As you know, Gran Turismo two came out in nineteen ninety nine, and I was absolutely obsessed with this game. I played it when it came out, and instantly fell in love with style with its style of racing. Around oh four, my group of friends and I were into racing being that it was the end of the high school for us and we were all driving our first cars. This game came back into the mix for us because, mostly because we loved it and loved the huge roller coaster vehicles it had. Each of us already had everything unlocked in the game, so we came up with the idea for a double elimination tournament. So before we even go on, have you yeah. have you played Gran Turismo, like any of them? I played the fourth one when it came out for, was it PS2? Yeah, yeah I think three um, and four came out for PS2. 
It's not. I I know the basic gist of it. It's if you're a car guy, it is the yeah. It's 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 basically like porn, right? <laughs> for for car guys, it's it's a great. Um, I'm not a huge car guy, so I never really got into it very much. Yeah, I had the first one actually on PlayStation, and I absolutely loved it. And I think, I mean, I already was kind of into cars. I mean, I was pretty young at the time, 10, right, when I was probably playing Mm -hmm. it. But I feel like there were kids that just wanted a cool arcade racer that became car guys because of this game, which I think is very interesting, right? That it's an extremely intricate and, and Mook goes on to say a couple of these things in a minute, but there's it's just extremely detailed. If you read every word in that game in all the descriptions, I feel like it would take you your entire lifetime. There's just so much going on. <laughs> wow. So it is impressive that he says that they all unlocked all those cars because that would have taken a serious amount of time and a serious amount of gameplay. Huh. So you have to earn all that money, right? And and yeah. So Huh, I'll be damned. But he goes on to say, since the game allows you to modify cars to your liking, we decided to each build a garage of 100 cars. For those unfamiliar, GT2 splits up its vehicles by class using S, A, B, and C, which directly correlates to how powerful the car is. What we did was come up with 20 different categories for these classes. Some examples are front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, mid-engine, Italian, Japanese, muscle, hatchbacks, and so on. (laughs) We built cars for each category from S down to C, to keep track, I know you'll love this, Trav. Trav, you'll love this. I know <laughs> we made an Excel spreadsheet to catalog our garages. For the tournament, we used 20-sided and 4-sided dice from D&D to decide the wow. cars selected for each wow. matchup. Wow, that's awesome. That That is really cool, especially since they had this, the Excel right there. They could have like used like randomized it somehow to spit out the numbers of the cars, but sure, they, yeah. they went for it. They grabbed the D and D dice. <laughs> they did the D and D dice. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. So a 10 to two roll would mean you, you use your rear wheel drive, a class car. I recently checked one of my old PS one memory cards and my tournament garage is still completely intact, which inspired me to write this email. And to this day, those tournaments are among my favorite gaming memories. Take care. Mook PS. I forgot to mention I'm 99% sure. I won the inaugural tournament, <laughs> which is that's an awesome that's an awesome email. Yeah, that is a really cool story. Something that, like I said, I was young when I was playing Gran Turismo One, and learned a lot about cars that I would not have learned otherwise. Mook talks yeah. about front wheel and rear wheel drive and all wheel drive cars, right? I really liked Camaros and Corvettes and stuff back then, right? I, mm-hmm. I guess a little bit to this day as well, but I, I really love seeing those cars go down the road. I love seeing them new whenever I could, I'd always want to get out of the car and run over in a parking lot to see a car like that. If we were at a restaurant or something. Right. But so I of course bought those cars to race in these games, but when you're a kid and you don't understand like driving mechanics and this game is so much of that, it's almost as real life as it gets in a video game. If, yeah. if like one of your rear wheels in a Camaro, a rear wheel drive car touches grass, you are just doing donuts all day long. <laughs> and it, right. used, it used to frustrate the crap out of me until I was like, oh, let's just try some other cars. Obviously, I that car's terrible or I, I suck with it. But that's when yeah. it made me realize like, oh, a front wheel drive car has wheels obviously a drivetrain that pulls the car right so because yeah. the, the front wheels are are driving yeah. it. or an all-wheel drive car has got extremely good 
stability because obviously all the wheels are driving it. So I would start driving cars like uh, WRX or STI um, and cars like that that were all-wheel drive. And it kind of, as a kid, made me understand the differences of all those different drivetrains, which I thought was pretty cool. Obviously stuck to me until this day. Like I still see old old cars that were in those games. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember I remember racing that thing in, in Grand Yeah, Turismo, that's, so. that's really – you know, it's funny to me how it, everybody was so desperate back in the day, back in the 90s to try – you know, because everybody was freaking out about games like Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. It's like, oh, no, video games can be educational. See, here's Mario is missing. Here's uh, Mario's time machine. Just these turd games. You're right. And then meanwhile, here's here's you and here's here's Mook here, like just <laughs> putting in a th- thousands of hours into this game, like learning all about all these cars. It's like that's how you do an educational game right, right there. For sure. I, I honestly it was like when he said um, he recently checked one of his old PS1 memory cards, my first thought was like, I would get that insured. I would take that <laughs> PS1 and put it PS1 memory card and put it in like a lockbox somewhere and just get insurance on it and just like hope to back it up like 10 times cuz holy crap there's so much stuff on that if they, if he, if he put in that much time I would seriously like oh my god I really need to back up this stuff like for sure that's pretty awesome though that he put that much time into it and I will mention you you talk about the PS1 memory card one of the coolest interfaces of any memory keeping system ever that each game had its own like little sprite that would fill up the little blocks. I don't know how much you played ah. on PlayStation, but it was like the coolest thing. So if you played Crash Bandicoot, you'd have a picture of Crash, right? And, right. and that would signify that that's your Crash Bandicoot save. Or if you played Final Fantasy VII, it would be Cloud or something, right? So it was just right. so cool that as a kid, right, that's like that's what you want. You don't want it just to tell you that this is what the blocks are doing on your memory card. You want a picture. And I always thought that was sweet. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that wraps up our emails for now. Um, and get, believe it or not, we have a guest on this show. We have a musician named Stephen Morris. You need to go check out his YouTube channel. He has hundreds of videos um, where he does original arrangements of all sorts of different games. You got tons of earth renditions of Earthbound songs. You've got uh, Pokemon, Final Fantasy V, uh, all just games from all over the place. Chrono Trigger, like he does everything. So, um, and he plays about a million instruments. So, I have a lot of questions for this guy. Um, he's a really nice dude. Um, I've followed his channel for several years now, and he has a ton of content that you need to go check out. Like, honestly, like he does such good work. So we're going to talk to him right after this. Listen, the world moves fast. It seems like as soon as you beat a game, it's lost to time. No one to talk to about it. No credit. No one to even appreciate it on Twitter. While over on the Polykill Podcast, Trav and I aim to remedy all that by talking about the games we're playing, the games we're beating, and the games you are beating. So please head on over to polymedianetwork.com, check out Polykill, and maybe you'll be the next Polykiller. All right, we are here with our guest, Mr. Stephen Morris. Hello. How are you today, sir? I'm doing all right. 
good 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 to hear uh i am here with seth uh aka the captain captain drachma the captain i don't know why i went into baseball <laughs> announcer voice there for a second but my that's, goodness that's and no everyone expects it at this point alex it's fine <laughs> <laughs> my oh my oh my but uh yeah uh i wanted to start out by saying um uh seth had a great observation uh, while watching one of your videos he says that um you look like if joe walsh did less cocaine and played earthbound instead um would you say that's accurate that's a compliment i don't have a maserati i have a modular synthesizer I and mean, he got really into that stuff so he did I yeah I, I respect all that so yeah what what's what's first of all uh thanks for taking the time to to hang out with us um for those that don't know you play about a million instruments and uh, do all sorts of stuff and create a bunch of arrangements of video game music and um it's really a lot of fun um what's your own gaming background like what was your first game favorite game all that sort of stuff yeah thank you for having me um my first game was probably Actually, I guess it was probably three games. It was at like uh, NES, Duck Hunt, Track and Field, Mario. They were all in the same one, right? My brother got it. And so I just sort of like tried to play with him. Um, that was a while ago now. But yeah, we had that. That was a blast. Did you Did you ever play, when you were playing Track and Field with the track mat, did you guys ever cheat and just go as fast as you can with your heels on the floor, like to get your guys to go as fast as they can. I would never cheat. No. Oh, <laughs> I cheated like crazy. Otherwise you just lost every time I was, you have to be Jesse Owens to win that thing. I swear. Yeah. My, my brother is, uh, he's always been tall and all that. And, um, yeah, so he, he had, and plus he has a uh, four and a half years on me. So it was a, a challenge. <laughs> yeah. You got to do like the nerd and do it with your hands. Yeah. There yeah. You we go. did all just... that. We, we did all the experimenting that you could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ha- have your dog try and do it and stuff like that. <laughs> we had, uh, at the time we lived in a, a house that had like a raised foundation on hardwood floors, which was, so it was, uh, made it extra dramatic. All oh, the sounds yeah, that for would sure. come out. <laughs> <laughs> my parents regretted that immediately dust goes everywhere yeah right <laughs> so what's like your musical background like how did you get started playing what music do you listen to now that sort of stuff i got started really late um i, I relatively speaking like towards the end of high school you know so i did not grow up musical at all i didn't really have a musical education even like and like i, I didn't learn rec- i taught myself recorder i was like in my 20s Oh wow! You know, as a little thing, and uh, what so made you start? What made you learn that? The recorder? Yeah, I think I bought one, one of those real cheap ones when I was in yeah. like, early college or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, this sounds like trash." And then I remembered <laughs> I had uh, I lived in Japan for a number of years, and uh, a friend of mine had a daughter who was in the uh, brass band at her school, and um, she was messing around with an alto recorder and i was like oh that's bigger and it sounds better of course it's because she was playing it but um it was bigger and so it wasn't so piercing and anyhow i uh i thought oh that might be nice it's not like a huge investment so i just did that and uh went through like some book that had uh which is good for me kind of like jumbo font music so i learned you know i was like reading the music learning how to do that with the recorder which is nice so that, that's that, cool. That was just uh, 
I saw that and was influenced by that, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people get started on those. It's it's surprising to hear because uh, my own memory, I don't know if you guys had music class in grade school, but... Um, but we did, and we, of course, they had those, like, ear-piercingly loud and shrill um, <laughs> recorders, those plastic yeah. ones. And we all had to learn Three three Blind Mice and all those I, I, hot cross buns, yeah. I think, was, was another name for it. I think that's the Midwestern name for it, and Three Blind Mice is, like, the, I don't know. I don't know if that's an East Coast thing <laughs> or whatever, but... I, uh, I can play the hell. I can play the hell out of some hot cross buns. I know that. <laughs> sitting, sitting, crisscross applesauce, playing hot cross buns. That was my jam. Hell yeah, that's yeah, I, that's I, that grade school jam right there. I didn't get any of that for some reason in school, but you know. Oh, but whatever. It might have turned me off too. I don't know. Who knows? You know. <laughs> <laughs> might have changed everything. Right. Right. So, Stephen, how do you go from deciding to play the recorder in your twenties to playing? Uh, how many instruments can you play? Uh, probably zero, to be honest. With you. No, I uh, <laughs> I learned the or not learned, but I, for whatever reason, like really late in high school, like at the end of junior year, senior year, or something. I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I kind of want to get like into piano or something. And then I had no idea, but my grandparents had a guitar, like an old guitar, an acoustic, and they're just like, yeah, we want to give this to you for whatever reason. It was odd. Yeah, because um, it's a good old guitar, and um, they gave that to me, and so I started with that, and um, sort of taught myself on that, and then pursued that, and did a music minor or whatever in college and all that. But um, yeah, I never, I felt from the beginning, from the very beginning of doing that, like everybody plays guitar, especially back <laughs> then, and so I was like, yeah, this, in the nineties, yeah, I don't want to do yeah. what everyone else does. Um, I was more into like, actually, I was into like songwriting and stuff. And I thought what I could try to do was write songs and sell them, which uh, I never really pursued. I have a few original songs that are up that it's just like real cheesy, simple stuff. But um, yeah. I thought some of those, you know, I, actually, I'm finishing another one of those up right now. But yeah, that was what I thought I could do. And but even from early on. Um, I thought maybe I could do like video game covers a long time ago. Really, Before that was That's... a thing. Yeah. What? What was there a specific specific game that like influenced you? Mm, probably just hearing music and humming it. It's all very, especially earlier games. Uh, they were, because of the hardware limitations, it was all very very melodic, right? Especially yeah, NES really, games. There's a simplicity to it. Yeah. Right, and then Super Nintendo. I think. My little theory is like around 94, 95 is when games really started to em embrace more of the ambient style music or stuff that's more like just a lot more harmony going on, mm -hmm. like Donkey Kong Country. Um, it's a Secret of Evermore. Secret of Evermore is a good example. Like that. That's yeah. Jer Jeremy Soul. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Metroid. But that Metroid was that was even the case from the get go in the Game Boy yeah. version and all that. But um, yeah, the, before that, and especially after too, with Super Nintendo and Game Boy games and such, there was uh, a real emphasis on melody. And I think those songs just got because, you know, you play these games that are hours and hours long and they, those melodies get stuck in your head. So I figured, oh, you know. Very naively, I thought, oh, they sound so simple. They're, they must be so easy. I could probably just, like, you know, bang <laughs> some of those out. And they're actually quite difficult most of the time. But um, so, you know, that, that I think that's what caused me to to do that. This, the game, uh, Final Fantasy VII had a lot 
of um tunes that i was attracted to like tifa's or however you say it, tifa tifa her her theme i say tifa yeah so tifa's theme i remember i got a piano book when i was maybe before i even moved to japan it was a japanese final fantasy 7 piano book that i got real cheap and uh i remember going through that and trying to read the music and putting it down and piano roll on some old software and seeing what i could do with that i had that i never released it and i finally released a version of that song but i had that in another tune from that game i don't know i did i was i worked on those like 2000 like the mid 2000s and then yeah. i never you know i didn't actually release any video game music covers until years later till years later uh, right on yeah that's that's really cool so do you have are, are you the type of musician where like like for me as a guitar player I, i'm one of those douchey guitar players that um just played because i liked metal and i just wanted to like play metallica songs and stuff mm-hmm. so um are you like me though where you, you if if you were asked to play an entire song on one instrument like would you be able to do it like on the drop at the drop of a hat or do you only know like pieces and riffs and stuff like that like specific things at a specific time um i would lean to the latter i like to play through a whole song i have original songs that i could play through if i right i have a terrible memory i could like look at a a lead sheet (laughs) or something and if it's a song that i know i could sing it and play to it right i'm talking though like if you were to ask to play like hey can you play the the winter theme from earthbound like all the way through it's like i wouldn't be able to do like i remember this part of it like or whatever but i wouldn't be able to play it no, no. In fact, when I do that, uh, re- the recordings, rather, I'm usually recording a few bars at a time. Now, there were some cases early on, especially where I would record like the tape, like go five minutes or however long a song might be all the way through. Like I did that with um, Snowman and such. But uh, that was hard and that takes a lot of time. So to save time, especially now that's necessary for me, I just record little bits at a time, a few bars at a time. But yeah, incidentally um for a thing that i was hired for recently i didn't really play it live but i put together um some melody less live tracks like live versions of the i don't know if i did winter's theme i did snowman brinstar some of those old older tunes that i had done before sure i just prepared those without the melodies in and then i learned them on a uh like a new instrument that i was hired to promote and uh, do, do stuff with so i, I did cool. that so it's like saxophone fingering so that was interesting you know to learn those tunes on that type of instrument like how do you begin to learn something like a saxophone like how to, how to learn to play that do you just go on youtube and just look for somebody that t- gives you tips on like how to sound a certain way or how does that work i can't even begin to to worry about like how I sound, <laughs> you know, like I'm more of like, Oh, I got to get the notes out and then hopefully the tuning's close enough to make it. I got fix it in post adjust. Yeah. To fix in post later. But, um, no, I mean, I've gotten better at the alto sax. I don't know. I really struggled with it early on, but that one for some reason has become one of the easier instruments for me to play a melody on. Huh. And I think it sounds better than like trying to play a lead line on electric guitar or something for the way that I play. <laughs> Now, oh, um, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I'm trying to imagine some of your arrangements with like Slash, like just blazing a solo over it. It's like, I'm not fine. sure how much they well, benefit. I respect it. No, like, like um, I, there's something like I don't like. I mean, I this is 
I don't mean to be rude, but I really don't like metal music. But I have like a lot of respect for it because I know like a ton of production goes into it. And I know that the musicians are really good. You yeah. know, there's like some really good metal musicians out there. And um, I mean, despite my sort of, how do you put it, aver aversion to it or whatever, like I did take time. I bought some like course. What is it called? It's some metal, like metal method or something. I did buy that. It's like a, a the, big the pedal. Like a, no, no, no. Metal, metal method. It's not, I think that's what it was. Oh, called. Like, I it was see. Like a dozen years ago or something. Okay. But I, I bought that and went through a bunch of those lessons where it's like, here's, you know, play this metal riff or do this and that. So I, I tried to put in the time to learn those, that, you know, style of playing. So like every now and then I'll do a solo where I'm doing a bit of tapping, but really I, I would prefer to leave that to the guys who are good at it. You know, like, yeah, it's yeah. tough. That is tough music to play. But I love I love the sound of like um, metal guitar, that style over like pop music. I think that sounds cool where there's like yeah. more synth stuff going on. They do that in Japan a lot. It just it's, that can be fun. So you kind of shift back and forth from different instruments. And I feel like I can't play any instruments. It's certainly not well, right? But doesn't that stuff kind of get scrambled in your head when you play, you go from playing clarinet to playing a xylophone? Like, is that difficult to do? No, I think, I don't know. I have probably like a, an attention deficit or whatever they call it <laughs> yeah so like on the contrary it's sometimes it can be helpful to be like okay i'll go from this to that to the other but you know when i record when i can i'll do like uh like the, the mcdonald's style of uh you know recording so like if i have a bunch of stuff arranged when the xylophone comes out for one song i might record like five parts for different songs and then uh, same with the saxophone, et cetera. So it's kind of a laziness too. But there are times when like, especially lately, when I'm a little more strapped for time and I haven't planned ahead as much as I should. Yeah, I'll switch between these instruments. And I think like a xylophone or a glockenspiel or whatever is so different from a saxophone that it's not as big of an issue or a clarinet. It's not as big of an issue, but when you're working on a saxophone and then you switch to a clarinet or recorder or something, there's like similarities that actually become a bit of a problem, you know, where it's like the fingering is very similar, but it could uh, throw you off because when, you know, it's, it's slightly different on one instrument or the other. So do you ever, do you ever pick up a clarinet and try to play it like a saxophone and Oh, whoops. I, like, cause I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works I, at all. Like I, I did. Yeah. The, the problem my, that I have is like, I can't play a clarinet, like a clarinet most of the time. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I'm not even at that point yet. I don't <laughs> my brain did clarinets and I wanted it to do saxophone. <laughs> yeah, right. Did, exactly. It did the wrong thing. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. I never thought of it like that. Cause I've, I play guitar and bass and really i was one of the you know it's metal so I, of course i approached a bass like another uh, oh it's a smaller guitar but if, if yeah, it, it is it is passable to it is possible to totally mix that up in in your brain now that you mention it but um yeah it's can you take us through like how you get started making a video like i love how your 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 videos have a very specific kind of aesthetic to them it's very like 
homemade but not cheap. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I've homemade and like a really. <laughs> I've been trying to switch it up. I, I've been trying to do the thing where I like record everything ahead of time and then um, uh, like film myself up against the wall playing the instruments. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's been effective in getting more views or whatever, but um, it's fun to watch because it's it's cool to see people just playing music. I yeah. love watching like drummers, for instance, just play drumming, drums. Drumming is cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a good drummer either, but um, yeah, you know, I've actually changed it up over the years. Like I said early on, I was doing things where I would track it all the way through, like a song. So I'd have a, a camera in front of me playing, usually playing the actual instruments. Usually that wasn't the case for like recorder. But sometimes I did that, actually. But um, my strategy is usually, like, for wind instruments, I'll record the audio and the video separately. And for other instruments, that's not the case. But, you know, recently, um, when I'm filming up against the wall, I'm just recording the video and the audio separately. But a few years ago, circumstances changed and, and whatnot. And so I came up with an idea to try to have a desk where I had, you know, access to basically everything and a little monitor screen to show what the camera was picking up and have a camera that's there and have my audio computer record what I was playing. And it's real lazy. Like there's times, <laughs> you know, where I'm just sitting there, like so you can't always see it, but sometimes my legs are up. I'm just like relaxing and playing these parts, you know, like half asleep. Cause it's usually like way late at night and I'm in my pajamas and stuff. And yeah, yeah. I, I think I can relate to your um, videos a little bit because uh, the, the way that I do nest drunk videos um, is very much uh, born of laziness, honestly. Like, all, I, I'm just making stuff that I want to I want to see myself like all I care about is the game I don't need to see your face I just want to see footage like just get to the point and so I can move on with my life please but a lot of that comes from laziness <laughs> yeah that's where I'm <laughs> like, at too but I mean the, the, honestly though there seems to be a thing about seeing people's faces and hearing them I don't ever talk on my channel and my my people around yeah me I was gonna like, say I, I I very rarely hear you heard heard your voice on there and people say I, I should talk. I don't know. I get myself in trouble if I talk too much. But um, <laughs> there's that problem. And then also, like, I'm very self-conscious about all sorts of things. But, um, you know, like, one of the things, I, uh, maybe I'll try to do it. I must do it, I think, at some point. But, like, I'm actually fluent in Japanese. And, like, people say, oh, oh you, should, you should do that on your channel or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of too lazy. And, like, what would I talk about? What would I do? I don't want to be, like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems... But I think that it, would probably get, sell more. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, I get what you're saying where it, it feels like there's already enough of that out there. A little like, bit. I don't, I don't I need mean, to be yet another person doing that. <laughs> I was on YouTube early, though. I could have been like the first person. You know, <laughs> no, like, I was on true. YouTube yeah, if like, thought way of then, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was posting videos, I don't know, when it, just not too long after it came out. And I could have started wow, it then. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it went back that far. I was thinking like... I, I remember just finding your channel, like, I don't know, 2016, 2017? Let me see. I think I have a couple of older, older videos. Uh, how do I organize this? I don't even know how to That's use it. That's crazy. YouTube. Yeah, I did not know you went f that far back. I'm used mm -hmm. to just your your newest thing just popping up as, as a recommendation. It's like, oh. Yeah, I don't think they even pop up most of the time. Yeah. That's, a th <laughs> That's yeah, the problem with my channel. Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes people don't. Uh, YouTube has a 
thing where they just don't understand how people actually use YouTube. Like, it's sometimes if you're subscribed to someone, you won't see their video recommended for freaking months. Yeah, that's the thing. That's exactly the problem. And it, it seems odd how they choose how that works. I mean, there's all sorts of like weird political reasons that we don't need to get into. I think I'm yeah. totally separate from that. So I really don't understand, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, <laughs> What's my? I have a video from 2010 and that was... I had already wow. been on there from you know for a few years before that. Wow! Holy cow! But that's okay, the latest yeah. public one. That's on so there. you've you've dealt with that cr- all this crap and commenters and stuff like that. I don't mind the commenters. I love funny like mean com- mean I, comments. I, I kind of embrace. Them. I usually like for the. I try to take find when they come up. You know, I'm not like looking at my comments all the time, but when they come up and there's a real absurd, a really mean one, a really funny one, I just try to pin that comment. No. I think that's the funniest way to do it. <laughs> it's I, I agree with that. Uh, I had somebody really flip out on me because uh, I posted a short. Oh, I saw that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What somebody just lost their about. mind. <laughs> but I mean, from our perspective, and if your channel is much bigger than mine, you, I mean, we're trying to earn a degree of a living out of this sort of thing. It seems like YouTube is pushing these shorts. And it's a good way to sort of like remind people, hey, look at this. I do this stuff too. And they've yeah. monetized yeah. them recently. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And it's like, it would be very easy. I th- thought there was a way to sort of like filter to not even see shorts. Yeah. yeah. So like, isn't the onus on the viewer in that point? Yes. And like, uh-huh. at that point, couldn't you just like not worry about that? Per- I mean, that person, yeah. no offense to them. I mean, they're just as important as all the rest of us. But like, in terms of your channel or my channel when someone like that pops up it's like they're probably not as important as someone who's genuinely interested and is willing to put up with whatever we're trying to do to push our thing forward you know what i mean yeah yeah it ends up being the the vocal few right like that that guy didn't have to say anything he could just be like yeah that's not my thing yeah exactly and then moved (laughs) on but instead has to make a big deal out of it i mean you could use that in in i mean because drama is so popular yeah. On YouTube. I mean, there's yeah. certainly like it would be funny to just, you could become a drama channel overnight just by <laughs> dealing with your <laughs> comments. True. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that would probably get more views. And well, for know. a few. Well, that's not true though because um, oh, really? for, yeah. uh, no, not in my case because for a few years um, I collected mean comments about my intro. I love um, that man. You did that I, video that was like I can't remember how long yeah, it was. The I extended intro. Hours. Yeah, but it was there was one where it was actually like a, a review. And it was like a 10 yeah, second that's, review. I love that's, stuff like that. That's race, race driving. Race and it's, driving. It's, it's like, what's some piece of shit game that I can attach this to? And so that was perfect because you just say for comedic effect, you just make it. No, it's 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 horrible. See, look how bad it is. And thank you and goodbye. So, but yeah, at, at that time I, I did that video. Uh, it got like less a lot less views than anything else i think because people saw it was race driving and i make no mention of it in the title or the description or anything like that but that might have something to do with it but i the one time i the one time i really leaned into the drama that was i didn't get i didn't profit from that oh yeah i guess i don't know then yeah i guess i'm wrong but no, that no, that's that's just my experience though. It could be different for other people. I guess uh, I don't I don't traffic in that stuff regularly. Yeah, I was say, so you could, uh, it, maybe it, segue it, into that when you run out of SNES. When I run out of yeah. stuff, <laughs> any any day now, still scraping that barrel. 
I mean, some people could have seen that it was race driving and you had a three hour video and they're like, hmm, this is really a <laughs> Snestrunk's first synopsis of this game. <laughs> YouTube doesn't like it when you talk about race or whatever. So they're, they fall uh, <laughs> Jeez. I didn't even think of that. That's that's a good point. Uh, but um, how do you choose the songs on your channel that you do? Like what is it just whatever you're interested in at the moment? Usually, yeah. I mean, there's a combination of things. So I'm working through, um, you know, I tried to be relevant sometimes. I did the Peaches cover. That didn't do so well. I did a Breath of the Wild cover because there's a new oh, Zelda yeah. game out. That didn't yep. do yeah. well at all. Huh. So I, I tried to play into that. I did a Super Mario song when the Mario movie came out. That did well for yeah. me, you know, a couple of them. So I've been trying to do that, cater to the thing. The, the algorithm or whatever recently but it doesn't seem like that works well for me what works well for my channel is typically like earthbound related mm -hmm. stuff have you noticed that certain games however popular popular they are they just don't get like people just there aren't as many people interested like for example like anytime i do a kirby video yeah. i'm in my head i'm like oh it's kirby it's first party it's People love this game, like uh, love this franchise and stuff like that. But I remember really leaning into Kirby one week on the channel. This was like years ago. I, did, I, I made sure to do like a Kirby week where I put out videos on like Kirby's Dream Course, Kirby Superstar, Kirby's uh, Dreamland 3 on all on Super Nintendo. And it didn't do jack at the time. I mean, those videos have like, you know, they've been out there sitting out there forever. So they have views now. But at the time, it was like a wet fart. It's like since when is since when is Kirby like not a thing? Like, are people just don't care? Like, so for me, I did I did Kirby a, a year ago, mm -hmm. and so it's like uh, I have the opposite experience though. But um, well, let's see. I did I put out a couple of covers, and then somewhere along the lines, I don't really do this too often, but I put out like a PR blast or whatever you want to call it, or I was like, sure, oh, I made yeah. an album, and then that got some coverage. So then uh, you know. That video where it was like the whole album got a lot of views, but the videos before had a you know more than usual amount of views on them. But before that, I did like a Final Fantasy X song, and I thought it was just an okay cover, and that got more views than usual. So it was sort of on the heels of something that got more views than it should have. And then I released um, a couple more songs after releasing that album, and then I did uh king ddd or however you say his name and it was <laughs> right, the country yeah. and western version of that song and i did a thumbnail with king ddd's face on like a merle haggard picture <laughs> that's awesome and um that got tons of views <laughs> and i was like that's odd you know like the amount of views that that got it got more views than that's great <laughs> any video i had done in years and then after that i released a cover of rainbow route rainbow root and um that got a lot of views too, especially for what it is. It's not like a popular Kirby song, you know? But yeah. then, so I don't quite understand, but I think there's something to be said about like momentum. And the, I think somehow it's like reading into what is popular on your channel. And like, if it's almost like if Kirby's popular on your channel, then maybe like, doom or something like if i did a cover from doom it might not really have a, a take you know a, a foothold or whatever conversely yeah. if i'm doing like 
Wolfenstein 3D covers. I'm really dating myself. <laughs> covers. <laughs> right. Then, you know, Doom covers might do pretty good. Who knows? But I think there's something like there. You know, like it's like what people go to your channel for. Things related to that will do better than things that are sort of totally different. Right. You know, I think um, a lot of it, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Final Fantasy. Was it Final Fantasy X that did well, you said? Yeah, I don't even I, like that game. I, I, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, you've done so many. It's hard to keep track. Um, is it, I, I really do think there's something to, like, when I think of those games, I immediately think of the music. Like, yeah. I'm just thinking from, like, as somebody that follows your channel, like, if I'm going to, like, kind of, like, hold off on listening to it or if I need to listen to this right now, like, I click on it. And if it's usually if it's a game from that era, like, right when PS1, PS2, like, just just that, that's just my perspective from, like, somebody that, you know, as a consumer, <laughs> I guess, of, uh, of the Stephen Morris product. So... I, I, I'm just fascinated by like what gets popular on YouTube and how it happens and stuff like that. So it's been really interesting to hear your takes on it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I get those comments. I, everyone does. I don't take offense to them where they're like, oh, your channel should be huge or whatever. I'm sort of like, well, on one hand, why should it be? On the other hand, like, yeah, I've done a ton of these. It, it should probably be doing better. It used to do better. That I took a break for a little while and, you know, they, they do all right. I, I get very generous support on patreon so like you know yeah yeah there's that and so it it is what it is I, it's not something i dislike doing it's fun to do yeah and it's um a very good set of skills to have and all that so it's i like it one thing i can i can tell you uh i i was not expecting this at all on my channel where i posted just for the hell of it a a 10 hour video of a bunch of my reviews all back to back. I saw that. Yeah, I saw and that. And it's getting bananas numbers. I saw like that ban too. Bananas. So, um I would recommend just like taking every video you've ever done yeah. and putting it as like one long video <laughs> and see if that like gets some attention. My, my laziness knows no bounds. I've had that idea for many years now, by the way. People, Where, you should do it. You should do it. I, I'm one of those people that has like I have spreadsheets with ideas and like Oh, man, have, you should um, talk to Eric co-host trav it's hey, yeah. a spreadsheet <laughs> where i've like I've, I've listed all my songs and i'm like oh what type of mood or see i have like columns you know where it's like the mood the season or whatever so it's like i have these ideas to have the video where it's like uh you know two hours of uh romantic video game music or whatever you know yeah yeah and just doing that because I, I thought that ship had sailed though but allegedly, not allegedly, obviously it hasn't because it's working for you, right? With it's just a big I long guess, video. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, uh, you know, and I'm just like hearing stuff, like just keeping my ear to the ground to what, what people talk about and, you know, and, and uh, what people like. Like for some reason, um, I posted like this, uh, that three hour relaxing Super Nintendo music. And I, I yeah, selfishly... Like posted that for myself so i could listen to it at work <laughs> while i'm doing stuff funny, uh, yeah. so i didn't have to like have a, a, a long ass playlist or like go anywhere else i can just have like one tab on youtube so i put it up there for myself and it turns out like a, a lot of other people found it useful and it's, it's got like popular yeah. a million views now which is just blows my mind it's like i seriously only made this for me and it's it's just, 
I, I, who who the hell would have thought? So you just the point is, is like you never know what's gonna work. It's it's yeah, impossible sure. to tell. Yeah, one. I mean, it'll be some odd video that'll get tons of traction. I'm sure someday. Yeah. And then, but the thing that's odd is like, you might have that video that you're you know you're you're already there from my perspective. You know where your channel is very popular, but like a a, a non popular channel that's sort of maybe imminent or whatever might have that one video but then like what degree is that going to even affect your future videos or your previous videos you know people just might stop yeah. by and see it and that's it yeah there's there's a lot of channels out there that have that one video that blew up and has like 500,000 views a million views or whatever yeah you do video game music covers and then you take a, a yeah. video of your dog taking a dump or something and then <laughs> So many people are reaching out to you. Hey, you want to you want to sell? You know, we have a hard cider or something. Just gave me an idea for a new channel. That's you should do it. Yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. That'll get monetized immediately. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shoved to the front of the line. Oh, that's great. My my take on the ten hour SNES drunk video or why it's popular, right? So yeah, I I clicked on it right because it comes up, and I think that at this point, people are. You, you made those videos because of nostalgia, right? Or looking back on the Super Nintendo. And I think that people are now nostalgic for SNES Drunk. And you what? Can get it. I you, don't buy that. You can click in there and you can click on any video, right? Because you have a playlist. So you can just kind of scroll through and figure out what, what do you want to watch. And it's easier than typing wow. it into... That, that's, I never even thought of that. That's my because that's what I did, right? I, I clicked around to some of the ones that I remembered you doing or some of that I... I'm nostalgic for now and or five years ago or whatever. Right. So, um, that's, that's my Jeez, thought. I don't think, I don't think anybody's sitting there watching all 10 hours of it, but they're, <laughs> they're clicking around. <laughs> so. Well, there that's I, what's, what's crazy to me is the, the stats of, um, watch time, you know, normally it's like 60% or something like that. Yeah. This one's, this one's a 10 hour video and it's at 44%. That's wild. Really? It's like, what the hell is that? Like, that are people real. just like putting this on and leaving it on? Like, maybe all it's day? like to sleep too. Yeah. 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 That's uh, weird. That, that band, you, do you know, uh, Wolfpack? The, they, they're like a funk group sort of project. No. No. They had, um, they had uh, a thing on Spotify a long time ago where it was just, I think they made rules against it since then. But they just had silence, and they just told all their fans, like, hey, just put this on while you sleep. And they made, like, tons of money off of it and funded, like, a tour or an album or something. That's it. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. It's punk rock as hell. That's yeah, it was great. very fun. Yeah. But that sort of thing, you know, where you, if you have, I think, you know, there's certain people who are fans of ours, you know, let's say, like, collectively, where they, they'll, you know, support things like that. They kind of get it, and they're like, oh, maybe if I just leave this on, you know. And that's that, of course, will boost interesting. you in whatever yeah. algorithms yeah. are out there. Really interesting to me. Yeah. I, I never would have thought that, Seth. Thanks for bringing that yeah. up. That's that's fascinating to me. It's like, I don't even remember what I was working on five years ago. That's bizarre. Yeah, there's probably stuff that you've reviewed that you forgot. Uh, you probably have to yeah. go through. You have to search your videos before you review another game. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> um let me think. Okay, let's go back to like 2017. What the hell was I playing? Okay, we got Spawn... Oh, that's when I did that huge freaking Super Nintendo action movie games thing. That took forever. Uh, so some of these are... are oh, Seiken Disaster 3. That was a really fun I love one. that game. Oh, man. That, I remember that game very vividly. I got that game. I was one of the first Japanese games I bought on eBay. Yeah. it's Once I heard about uh, Secret of Mana 2. Yeah, right? I was in, I was in high school um, mm -hmm. in the late 90s, and I've... 
found out about emulation and like people were actually translating these games and i was like hell yes i just muscled through it with uh i think i printed out the giant like game oh, facts nice. thing or whatever and the um, game facts thing it's like four thousand pages <laughs> that was the first game i'd like i never had played games for that long before i remember procrastinating for like um was it like a geometry test or something i was in like eighth grade <laughs> And I played that game for 11 hours in one day. And I don't think I've played that Holy much cow. since. Or, but it was just, I <laughs> clocked in like an insane amount of time. And then That's somehow, awesome. miraculously, I managed to study enough and I passed that test. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'll never forget. But that game, talk about it. That game has really interesting, very difficult to cover music, but very interesting music. Yeah. Both games. Yeah, they do. So this is a complete sidebar question that I never thought we would cross but i always wonder this so you say you're fluent in japanese mm-hmm. can you easily enough play a japanese only game from that era from the 90s uh, it depends on what you mean by easily like i mean I can to... you can you make your way through it and understand what's going on in the story if i had the time yeah okay okay <laughs> That's i'm sort of getting on that other because because of life Right, Probably right, not, right. but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it depends on the game. There's some games that are hard. And, um, you know, it's funny. There's like um, older Famicom ones. They don't have uh, kanji in them. Oh, And that yeah. could be actually challenging huh. because it's sort of hard to parse things sometimes. Now, um, you know, Earthbound or Mother or whatever you want to call it is very popular on my channel. Those games purposefully don't use kanji because uh, I understand the writer wants to have a more colloquial feeling to those games but totally makes sense those are interesting though and they're easy easier to understand because of that to me now there's other games where it's like if they have like real political you know things going on like or, or like religious things going on that becomes a little more difficult like those like fire emblem types of games or like um i don't know older rpgs where they try to get like these weird failingly philosophical yeah you know land, and stuff. Oh, like Those, the land grisser series and stuff like that like yeah. to be to be yeah. honest with you there's games where i'm like playing them in english and i'm like what the hell is going on you know <laughs> so like to give you an idea you know it's, it's less of a japanese language thing and more of just a reading comprehension problem like, of mine can you imagine trying to read what's what the hell's going on in an illusion of gaia in another yeah. language it's actually like, okay, i gotta... played that game in japanese did that you really? Sucked. Yeah, yeah, it sucked because um, <laughs> that was, I got cocky. I don't know how to put it, but um, at, the, at the time that I was playing it, I had a policy of, because, you know, time is limited and whatnot, I would take the time before starting a new game of that era to op- crack it open, solder in a new battery, and then play it. Oh, nice. For that game, I was like, it'll be all right. I'll be fine. You know, I'll, I'll get through it and done with it. I got to, like, the very end of the game. And the battery died. And so my save file got lost. Uh, I forget how many years ago. That was over 10 years ago now. But even then, yeah, they were all, you know, it's those like CR2032 batteries. I got a stack of those right behind me. Yeah, I got a ton of them. <laughs> I, I got them just in case my uh, any of my, fa- my stuff dies. But yeah, that's funny. Um, Spe- speaking of good music, the I think it's the save. Like when you go to save Illusion of Gaia, whatever that music is that plays during the save screen is incredible i love that music i haven't I've just, even heard it. i don't remember it at all i've just left it on it's like very 
soothing. It's like I feel like you could fall asleep to that music. I don't remember what it's called, but it's so good. Vision of Gaia save theme. Yeah, let's let's check this out. <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh, is this in the Earth and Womb? Is that what it's yes. called? Yes, yes, that that's is such it. A funny yes. name. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool tune. Yeah, I love those. I don't know. It's like one of those things, though. But obviously, there's I don't know a market is the right way to put it. But obviously, people like that, like menu music. I like that sort of incidental <laughs> kind of relaxing, right? SNES yes. music. Obviously, people like it. If I had to pick like one single track that I love the most on any Super Nintendo game, like it's probably in Earthbound when you've put your name in. Oh, and that's it's fun. that sick beat, and it's doom. Do 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 do. It's <laughs> it's so good. Like I could listen to that all day. The the Super Soul Brothers have a great, you know, they have many live versions of that that I'm sure are on YouTube. Oh, I love nice. their version of it. Yeah, that's such a cool song. That song would translate so well live, like yeah, in, a duff, in a bun- bunch of different styles. Um, yeah. Do, I guess uh, the only other question we have here is any other. Do you have any suggestions for an aspiring musician? Like if you, if someone wants to the Stephen Morris experience, what what do oh, they God. what do they sign up for? <laughs> to, to try to like learn music or like. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel qualified to answer that. I do. <laughs> I would say I do more production than actual music making. You know, like as a musician, I'm a bad live musician. I have a terrible memory. Oh sure, um, you're you're more you lean more into like the arrangement of things, arranging and production and stuff like that. Sure. I don't know even because it's like I sort of kind of earn part of my living off of that stuff, but mm-hmm. I couldn't like quit my day job. And frankly, mm-hmm. I'm in a weird position. I couldn't quit doing music either. You know what I mean? So like it, they supplement yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, to for me to earn a living, as they say, but um. I don't know. Yeah, I really wouldn't feel qualified answering that because I don't feel like I'm in a position of any authority. I I think, you know what, though? Here's what I will say. I've been doing, um, I've been going to a, uh, uh, there's a a, uh, ukulele shop near where my parents live. It's a very, probably one of the only ones, that's why. Um, And they have live, not live, well, it's sort of like group playing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you meet all sorts of different people. And um, I've been going to that and just it's like you strum along, you know, that you have like sort of not quite a lead sheet even. It just has chords and lyrics. Oh, right on. So you're sat in front of like, you know, they, they encourage you to bring an iPad or whatever in front of this music of all sorts of different tunes. And they have all sorts of different, you know, like pop songs from a long time ago it's usually it's basically an older group but just getting into a group like that i don't know i mean i'm i'm pretty a pretty secular person in terms of like what i do with my time but that it's sort of to me because i think a lot of us have a a a bit of you know who are of that sort of thing you know we have a bit of a void when it comes to like group activities and that's a good way to to fill that gap but you know, if you're in into that like church and stuff like that, I mean, those guys who play at churches, I mean, those those are good players. I I, have, yeah. I was very privileged to be able to work at a booth next door to guys that uh, play at church all the time, and those guys are like, I mean, they're like monster players. All and they're all young, and they're just mm-hmm. like, I mean, I 
I could live three lifetimes of what I, you know, of my lifestyle, and I'll never even approach what they're doing because they just play constantly and they're doing mm-hmm. live performances and they're just playing in groups and communicating that way. And it's like, so I, if, if I had to, it's almost like, um, a cautionary, like, don't do what I do and just be alone and do that. Like, I guess the, the thing is to get out and try to play with other people and communicate that way. If you can. Well, that was the point of this podcast yeah, was, was sure. to communicate and do that. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great having you on. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, taking the time. Yeah. Thank you um, so much for inviting. I mean, I, I'm always very honored and surprised when people want to talk to me about anything, you know, I'm very, yeah, honored. yeah. And go check out, uh, Stephen Morris. It's S T E V E N Morris. Uh, at uh, on YouTube, I'm pretty sure you're the only guy that comes up when you search that. No, there's there's many Stephen Morris's. I, I I am I very thankfully got youtube.com slash Stephen Morris. Oh, nicely done. Yeah, I snagged it just in time. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys or to you guys? Like I just met Stephen, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I told this story on the podcast before. But um, one long time ago, this would have been like. 2015 2014 no it had to have been 2014 because it was within a year when i started um some guy bought snestrunk.com now bear in mind (laughs) i have like 2,000 subscribers at this point it was a lot back then yeah and that was that was way more i was expecting to be like i was hoping for like a few hundred remember those days yeah (laughs) and i i wanted um just like a group of people to like comment and like give their opinions about games and stuff like that like i posted a lot on the racket boy forums and stuff mm-hmm. it was guys like that or you know people on the game facts forums or you know people oh, in boy. chat rooms and stuff like I, I that's what i expected it to be um just like a small little community but um no and and it was for a little while uh <laughs> it's weird to think about um and it uh this guy emailed me saying i've got snestrunk.com and you can buy it from me for like 300 bucks or something like that it's not so bad but that's and i was like screw you dude and (laughs) i i i I waited him out and i was able to get snestrunk.com for eight dollars a month (laughs) that's very funny (laughs) i was i wasn't so fortunate for steve stephen morris is a very um it's a double-edged sword it's very anonymous because it's so plentiful but at the same time that website was taken like before i was born basically i i was on the internet early you know, like early, early. You and need that, a pseudonym. Yeah, I should have come up with something more clever, but I'm, I'm not that creative, I guess. But <laughs> they, like StephenMorris.com, I think there was a photographer or something with that name. And he got that in the mid 90s. That was taken. Like, so that Ugh. was done before it was even, you know, <laughs> it was a done deal. But that's good for you that you got that website. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> you, you, can, you can be earthbound Joe Walsh. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That'd be great. Him. Man, he was so fun. I used to, man, uh, sorry to keep it, to drag it on, but I used to love watching him on uh, Howard Stern at 11 p.m. or whatever oh, on the E right channel. Right on, on the E channel. Years yep. ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep, have fun yep. watching the commercials in between, the very colorful <laughs> stuff that they would advertise. Yeah, yep, for sure. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, and that, that'll that uh, that'll wrap us up here. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, thank you, guys. It was nice to meet you, Seth. And you too, Alex. Nice to talk to you. All right, everyone. That's been another Drunk Friend podcast. You guys should all check out polymedianetwork.com where we have all kinds of different podcasts, including a new Tales of Lesser Medium, Trav and K 
Caleb talk about Shenmue on that one. Of course, Polykill, Point and Drink Adventure, Indie Quest, which I'm on. Please come and check that out. New Uncle Doug's DVD bin that has actually Amy Trowell. And they talk about Ghost. That one's a really cool one. And then, of course, we got Goosebumps. Please send an email to the show at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We have a subreddit for our network if you fancy yourself a Reddit weirdo. And comment directly on our podcast just like you can on YouTube videos on Reddit at r slash polymedia. Yeah, go check that out if you're a Reddit person. That's one way to contact us. And if you're not interested in doing that or sending us an email, that's not a big deal. Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice and that'll help us out big time. Yeah. You can follow us on social media on twitter i'm at captain drachma alex is of course at snestrunk and trav is at trav plays games and our guest steven is at beige on beige beige like the color beige beige on beige and the track you hear right now uh that i'll presumably put in uh at the hopefully at the right spots if I do this correctly, the track you hear is composed by our friend Cooler, and it's called Electric Starbonds, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And a shout-out to Josh Les... Holy crap, I really can't say that name. Josh Leslie for our thirst-quenching logo. Even when I'm going slow and taking it easy, it still trips me. It's the S-H into the L. Schlul... It does a thing, yeah. I mean, I, I do a podcast with them. I'm going to start calling him Joshua. If I say Joshua Joshua Leslie, Leslie. yeah, there we go. That's much better. (laughs) Anyway, be sure to catch us all on YouTube. Not not me, everyone else. And thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a great rest of your day, folks. Cheers.